Have you ever wondered how your sales performance compares against your competitors and peers? The B2B Sales Benchmark Report provides the definitive guide to what success looks like in 2021. See how you compare in terms of win rate, sales cycle, average deal value, relationships, and engagement. You can see the results and get the full report at ebster.com forward slash B2B dash sales dash benchmarks. This is Sales Ops Demystified, the number one most downloaded podcast in sales operations. We invite the brightest minds in sales operations onto the show to deconstruct the why, what, and how behind rep productivity, forecasting, metrics, and all things revenue. This podcast is brought to you by Ebster, the leading customer engagement platform for Salesforce. Welcome, everybody, and welcome, Jay. Thank you. I'll, I'll give you a little introduction in a minute. Before that, some updates and admin. Um, Henry's back. Thank you for coming back. Henry's had a couple of weeks away. You've been very busy. Very busy. Doing sales operations. Yeah, doing sales. <laughs> yeah, very busy. Um, so everyone, thank you for tuning in, whether you're listening on iTunes or whether you are watching on our site or on YouTube. Um, we're joined by someone who made an appearance at the Sales Ops Meetup a couple of months ago or a month ago. Yeah. Um, and everyone I spoke to about you speaking there was like, Jay is great. Jay is really good. Um, and so we're like, we have to get Jay on the podcast. And then I think you, you might have reached out to Jay or maybe I did. Uh, like, I think you did. I did. I think I was on raving about Jay. Yeah. And yeah. The things that I heard. Um, because Jay has like an extensive background in sales operations, right? Um, from all the way from like IBM, which is massive to smaller starts, right? Yeah. Um, so that's what we're going to be going into. Um, if anybody has any questions, you can comment below of the YouTube video um, and we'll get back to you later today. Um, cool. So should we kick things off? Um, yeah, sure. Sweet. So question number one is kind of more about your journey. Um, yeah. And if we could talk about the bigger company and the smaller companies, that would be really good. In that. Yeah, sure. So um, firstly, thank you for having me. Um, and I kind of got into sales ops um, by luck. So I did a four-year university course um, in London with a one-year gap. Mm. In, um, in what? In business and computing um, at City University in London. And... Um, I then started applying to corporate companies and back, not back then, but like in 2017, um, you know, people weren't really thinking about startup companies or, or sort of smaller tech companies then um, in the UK anyway. So everybody was always applying to, you know, big banks or big IT companies. And um, so I applied to a few tech companies um, and I landed a job at IBM and you didn't really at that time kind of um, apply for a specific role. Like you mm. kind of said, if you wanted to go into product or development or if you just wanted to go on the business side. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, they said sales ops analyst and I have no idea what that was. <laughs> um, rolled up on my first day wow. and um, just got kind of thrown into it. So what they do is they have a uh, rotation scheme. So I was then getting handed off the role by somebody that had just finished their placement year as a sales ops analyst. Um, so it was really... Um, 
getting the the idea of what sales ops is from from that person mm-hmm. that handed off to me, um, and then the business executive that I was supporting for that one year. So it was very much by chance mm-hmm. um, of you know understanding what sales ops was. It sounds extremely structured. It's very structured. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it's like now, um, but um, in terms of the whole placement rotation program, very structured, but also mm. the sales ops element, like it's it's a separate function in IBM. It's huge. Mm. They've got centers across the world um, with sales ops and business ops. Wow. Um, How many people do you think they have in sales ops globally? Oh. Um, Hundreds or thousands? Thousands. Probably really? thousands, wow. yeah. Thousands when I talk about shared services, so it's a combination of uh, sales ops, sales enablement, and mm. probably biz, business operations support as well, which mm. I'll come on to with, I mean, what that means. It's a company that like made and sold the first computer, so yeah, they're an old fair. business, very a very large business, Yeah, 100,000 people. Yeah, 300,000 300, wow. people when I was there, so, nice. um, so it's probably bigger now. But, it's incredible. Yeah. So, you, so that's when you started learning the trade. And yeah. What happened after that? So I did my one year. So a lot of it was um, looking at data. It was uh, week-to-week movements, um, looking at pipeline stages and forecasting. That was pretty much what the role um, was about. But it was in different territories, so understanding how it how it works in different territories in the UK and how you split them up and doing deployment plans of do we have enough people in each area. So it's quite good around the strategy piece. Um, went back to uni, um, and because I enjoyed what I was doing at IBM, I went back. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, when you go back on the graduate scheme, there's not typically a sales ops kind of role. It's a lot about consulting. So mm. putting you into projects that they've yeah. signed up. Um, so I did that for a year and a half, which was business analytics um, and optimization. So it was kind of an element of sales operations, but I didn't know it at that mm. time. So really going into different projects, working with external clients around you know, the data, how do you analyze it, and then trying to streamline some processes. Um, so I did that for like a year and a half. And then I went back into sales and business operations. And um, I'll go into what business operations and IBM meant at that time. I don't know if it's changed. But um, how I got back into that was actually the business executive that was supporting during my placement year actually said, Jay, um, I have just uh, become the business business executive for IBM Africa. We're doing a startup organization there for IBM. I need you to come out and build me oh, a sales and business operation cool excellence. Yes. Um, so he's like, he messaged me. I was like, where are you? He's like, I'm in Nairobi in Kenya. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, do you need me to fly out? He's like, can you fly out tomorrow? Meet no, it's almost complete really? luck that it just so happened to be that business executive and he, he just knew you. Yeah, it, well, was, yeah, it, was, yeah. A bit, it was a bit of luck mm. at the beginning yeah, that yeah. I got to support and somebody that was... And, knowledge and, and, and keeping right. the loyalty, like keeping yeah, yeah. in touch and showing my work was, was That's good. What, in these big operations, big organizations, the... People will move up and they'll bring other people with them, right? Yeah. But they only bring you with them if they like you and you're good. Yeah. So it, it, maybe it's fortunate that you met that guy, but it wasn't fortunate that he liked you and wanted you to come to Africa, right? Correct. And I think that's kind of slowly <laughs> happening in tech world right now as well, is if you associate yourself with somebody that is smart or mm. realizes that you need them, then if they do move, then... Um, you know, they may pinch you as well. So yeah, yeah, um, it was the relationship that I had uh, with that business exec. And so I flew out the next day, met the team. I was like, what is going on? This is not what I expect from IBM. There was no functions, nobody, like there was, their sales is like crazy. There was no marketing function, mm-hmm. no finance function, no HR function. Everything was outsourced into different countries. Um, it was hectic. So um, I joined 
Um, and so what sales and business operations means in IBM is the sales ops is real sales ops. You know, what we talk about is, you know, pipeline, forecasting, um, your commission plans, you're running your performance improvement plans with your performance mm. rating plan frameworks with individuals, looking at sales strategy, sales enablement, um, and, the, and the processes and the tools that you have within just the sales function. Business ops is slightly different where you end up supporting the executive or the VP of that department mm. or that business and you start looking at all the functions within it. So sales ops, so sorry, sales, mm. marketing, finance. Mm. And in IBM they call it delivery, whereas in this world we probably call it customer success and account management. Yeah. And trying to glue them all together. Nice. So it was Jay, we're in three countries right now in Africa. We need to get to 17 countries in two years. How mm. do we do that? Um and so how do you build operational excellence where we can scale? Um, so if we want to go to another country tomorrow, how do you do it? Mm-hmm. Um, and how do you set that up? So it was it was cleaning out all the junk. It was creating sales processes, sales structure, sales stages, what they meant. Mm-hmm. And the difficulty with there was what they did is they had a very small team, but they were all executives from IBM in from very mature markets. So you had my business exec that came from the UK into a startup world. So mm-hmm. he had a huge army of a team doing everything for him, but he was then put into an organization where it was, mm-hmm. you do everything. Sure. And then the same with the sales reps. They were classified as sales executives, but they were really big executives in like Portugal or the US for mm-hmm. IBM, and they had armies of teams. So they were really clueless. So it was actually educating them of what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. So building processes, going go to market strategy of what's, mm-hmm. what market should we go into with what product, because IBM have so many. Yeah, so many. Um, which product should we go into, understand which industry we can go into. We had the obviously the luxury of being able to go into kind of any market we wanted with any product mm-hmm. and the pricing. So how do you do that? So it was how do you combine all these departments together from a business perspective and we I was looking at PL and, and cost but also on the sales side so um did that managed to do it for 15 countries in in two years um where we built management systems and processes and and kept it to a point where we were auditable we were um we had risk assessments in place but processes in place as well that then took me to our headquarters in Dubai so um the work that I did there was recognised by our Middle East Africa head- headquarters, and um, they said, "Jay, we want you to do it for five regions now." Um, <laughs> That's I was like, cool. "Okay." And so, but what you've got to realise there, and what they didn't realise, is um, that if you put a process or a management system in place in one country, you can't lift and shift it straight into sure. another country. You've got to really understand. You've got to try and keep the base there as much as you can, but you've got to realise that you've got to going to have to tweak things or add things in place. In different countries. Why is that different cultures? Um, I would say it's so. If you're talking about like forecasting and managing pipeline and your attitude towards that is very mm-hmm. different. Yes, like the culture. Um, I'd say in Africa, it was very laid back. Mm-hmm. It was very much yeah, I'll do it now, and they don't do it for another month. And how do you deal with that? Right, um, right. Whereas um, somebody in Gulf and Levant, for for instance, if they say uh, we'll sign tomorrow, they actually do end up signing tomorrow. So. You kind of need to take all these things into perspective. Uh, But also, like, if you're in Nigeria, for instance, we need an extra business approvals um, before we can send out a contract, for instance. So you've got to incorporate all these things together. Um, So I did that. Uh, What I loved was um, the fact that I was rolling up my sleeves, getting things done, putting things in place and being able to scale it. So I left Dubai after two years. Um, so you're kind, of, you're kind of like, it was kind of like working in a startup, but in a massive organization. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's good. We were treated as a startup. Like if you failed in terms of your profit, you're, you're busted, you're done. Like, mm. you know, yes, you've got this worldwide corporation with probably a lot of money, mm. but you've got to own the profit and loss account. Like if you are losing money, if you're signing crap deals, we don't care about the growth, we care about the bottom line number. Mm. Yeah. Um, and so it was challenging. It's like, how do you cut costs? And, and so it was very different to what people would expect how an IBM experience would be in those mm. markets. Mm. Um, Why did you leave IBM? Um, been there for seven years. I really enjoyed the very much hands-on approach um, of rolling my sleeves and putting things in place that weren't there mm. or gluing things together. And at that time in 2016, um, what we had called emerging markets, which were these startup markets, actually started becoming a little bit more structured. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, it's more my time to leave. Um, I've done my four years outside. I've, I've learned so much from people around me, like VPs and general managers, CFOs that have been in the business for years and years and years. Um, so I kind of left. Um, and I was like, I'm going, going to go to the tech world. I'm going to join the, the, risk, the risky bit. <laughs> so um, what I struggled with actually was um, I had a combination of sales and business operations. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can kind of call that commercial revenue operations now in our world. Um, but what I struggled with actually was people, well, businesses in the UK didn't really know what sales ops was at that time, or mm. they were coming round to it, or yeah. they were a lot more of a mature business. And they thought that they just need sales ops to keep running the business. Mm. So um, so I was looking for a revenue kind of biz ops roles. Mm. People weren't really understanding that yet. So I uh, shifted to sales ops just to get mm. my foot through the door and the experience, which is what I definitely needed. Um, so joined um, a startup that had been around for like seven years, were post-Series B, were doing really well, mm. but had never had sales ops before. Um, and the reason why they wanted me was purely because they had broke some broken processes. They were managing Salesforce quite well, to be fair, but they just didn't have things that made things automated mm. um, or weren't able to track or forecast where they where they were sure, going to yeah. end. There's just gaps in their knowledge. They didn't know how to Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's what it was. Like, they actually handled Salesforce pretty well. Um, you know, their, their duplication wasn't as bad as any other place that I've been to so far, to be honest. Um, they managed it really well. The, the kind of numbers in Salesforce were fairly accurate in terms of that versus what we're billing. So it it was fairly mature, but they mm-hmm. just you know they just wanted it to take it to a next level. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So so yeah, I joined them, and then since then I've joined different startups at different points, and yeah. uh, slowly focus on around sales ops. But now I think more and more broadening. it's broadening. Yeah. Like they're like, what is sales ops? And now it's kind of going down a route of revenue ops, mm-hmm. which is which is great because we hear that quite often. Yeah. Which is which is what I think sales ops is. Is yeah. about gluing departments together as well. I'm seeing trends. <laughs> Trend two trends. Trend number one: Kirsty also says she got into sales ops by accident. It's yeah. quite interesting. So mm. maybe that's the trend. Other trend is definitely. Well, I mean, you 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 don't go and study it. Do people, don't know, people didn't know about it. Maybe there should be. I think. I think. Maybe there should be. Yeah. Maybe we should <laughs> online course. Um, anyway, so but but moving on. You've had like ten years experience now, right? Yeah. Um, from that experience, what do you think makes an awesome sales operations person? Um, I think you've got to have a very open mind. Um, and what I mean by that is you've you've you guess you use your experience but you always go into a business with a very clear, open mind for mm. the first month or so, just 
take in everything mm. and then start understanding that the sort of you know the bits that they are doing but maybe not so well one the bits that they're doing and they're really well and you haven't thought about that before mm. the the bits where they are trying to do things but not as well as you think it can be and then the other bits around the big gray areas that they're not mm. doing and um so understanding that before you jump in and start putting all these things in place mm. um so i think that's one I think two is uh, being able to uh, speak to salespeople and understanding their frustrations uh, mm. and dealing with them. I think yeah. um, I think for, for a sales ops person, whatever you're going to try and do, if you don't get buy-in from the people that are affected by it, you'll fail. Mm. Like yeah. you'll fail and the business will fail. Um, yeah. And they'll think that you've, they've probably hired the wrong person because sales ops is all about you know putting things in place that are going to make the sales team more efficient effective productive and then mm. how the business can scale with it and if you haven't got that buy-in from the people that are going to be actually running what you're actually implementing then it's always, it's always going to fail and also you've got to with sales ops you have to be able to interpret so managers don't always want to see another dashboard everyone's going to dashboard it out yeah they? so they they want insights and they want knowledge from you they want interpretation of what they're seeing because Lots of set, like chief, lots of sales directors. They don't look at graphs. They they mm. don't like them. They just want to see the raw numbers and what what is it you can tell them that's interesting that that can push the needle on. Yeah, yeah. I think I think just to follow that, you've got to yeah exactly understand the VP of sales or the sales manager or whoever you're supporting mm. on a daily basis. Understand what they like. Don't go in and create a dashboard with graphs mm. because they may not like graphs. They may they may want conversion rates and data and a table. Mm. which is perfectly fine then you then you do that or if they like graphs and graphics then then do that because otherwise you're you're wasting your energy on something that somebody's not going to really like or appreciate yeah yeah so on that point do you think that it's actually useful to have sales experience <laughs> in sales operations is my favorite question um all right so this might okay so um i i strongly feel that somebody in sales ops needs to understand what it's like being in sales mm. um and that and by that i mean uh working closely with sales people i mm. i've not i've not i don't have sales experience but when i talk to people they think oh jay have you been a salesperson before you'd be great at it mm. and the reason why is because i've worked so closely with sales people mm. sales people vp of sales cro's so it's, it's a very them. diplomatic way of saying <laughs> okay saying. yeah no. um <laughs> Yeah, I don't think it's necessary. I, I strongly feel that um, from the salespeople that I've worked with before, if they went, if they moved into a sales ops role, yeah. then I think they'll be very narrow-minded. And I think that comes back to the question I answered earlier: mm. is you've got to be very open-minded. Yeah. Um, whereas I think a salesperson will say, actually, I need to do six clicks to log a call, and I'm going to fix that. When really the problem could be the bigger problem could be around your sales processes, or your sales teams, yeah, yeah. and defining them. So there's if they are able to take them away, take themselves mm. away from that emotion and say, actually, I'm going to do sales ops properly, then then great. But I don't think, um, mm. I think a more successful person in sales it's, ops will probably it, be bit, um, somebody that works closely with salespeople and gets mm. to understand them and then able to, be able yeah. to do that. It's similar to um, making a great salesperson a sales manager because... You know, if you promote someone into that role, well, their role now is looking at numbers, it's different, crunching right? Excel data, um, and it's a fundamentally different role to being a salesperson. So you've also t and you've also taken a good salesperson away from their role. So they're not selling anymore, and they might be woefully underprepared. 
So yeah. you know, that's the way I think about it. Agree. So we've heard, I think episode number seven or episode number eight, I think we have almost a 50-50 split between people that have and haven't been in sales. So that's why I love that question, because the people that obviously have a sales background, like you, Henry, are going to be like, yeah, of course. You. I mean, I wear many hats. <laughs> so um, so uh, super interesting. Like what? So you're at Doctify at the moment. Yeah. What, what is your What is your technology stack look like? So I like to keep it very lean. Mm. We're very early on. Um, and how, this, this how, comes, how many people in there? So, uh, so we've got 29 people overall in the business. Mm. Um, we've got 11 in the sales team in terms of an SDR and a sales split. Mm. Um, so it's sales reps and an SDR. And then we've got a head of sales and account management on top. Mm. Um, that's our size right now. But I, I think this, this is what I alluded to before in the sales ops meet was that um, don't go crazy uh, as much as you want to when it comes to implementing tech, uh, yeah, sales ops I'm, I'm, tech. I'm a big like, believer in that. I think people sometimes, they can they can concentrate on trying to buy a piece of technology because they think it's the silver bullet, yeah. when actually it'll probably cause more issues. They, they need to go back and look at their fundamentals or understand if they're using their CRM correctly because things like CRMs are expensive, are using it to its maximum capacity rather than investing in new technology. You know, I, I think I, I, the other day I was giving an example of um, what's the point of using things like Gong or those voice transcription analysis uh, methods if you're like talking to the wrong person in the business at the other, other end of the, of the video call. I, because I think technology can do amazing things, but... If you haven't got the fundamentals right, what's the point? I think that's it's, Yeah, it's exactly that. And I think you've got to... And this is why you've got to work really closely with the people that are going to work with the tools mm. and process that you're putting in place because putting in six different tools in the space of six months is not going to help them. Like, imagine yourself, you know, being lumped with six different mm. technology tools yeah. and, uh, and you're trying to... You, you spend time trying to figure out how to use it. Yeah. And it's changed. Like, it's it's a huge change from just implementing, the, you know, a screen share tool, for instance. It's, oh, okay, now I have to start doing screen share. Okay, how do I do it? You know, what do I do in Salesforce or your CRM? How do I use this tool? Um, what do I show them? It's, it's very different and you yeah. can't do... You've got to master that, implement it, make them happy or satisfied and, and show them that it was value. Yeah, yeah. And if you show them that what you're putting in is value mm. to them, then you can go on to the next one. So so how, how do you show them value? Um, you've made their lives much easier. I think mm. um, for me, uh, it's always been if I can if I can decrease the amount of time you spend on admin um, or the number of clicks you're doing in your CRM, um, or you know, making your lives much easier to sign a contract, um, or making yeah. discharge one, whatever that is, um, then that's how I show them value. Um, so it's really increased commissions. <laughs> well, <laughs> is that right? Not? Well, yeah. I mean, the salespeople will see value in something if they earn more money, mm. right? Ultimately, mm. if they can do deals quicker and yeah. earn more money. They'll see value in it. How lean are we talking? Like you just have a piece of paper and people. Like, yeah, no, yeah, no, I think that, no. So, um, so at Doctify right now, um, we have sales loft for our cadencing mm. and outbound. We have our CRM system, which is Salesforce. Um, I then use Cloud Dingo, which oh, we'll yeah. come on to later. Is that, is that a D, D yeah, Dtube. Yeah, and that's more for my site, um, which actually helped the sales team and mm. made them more productive and, and effective. And then after that, um, at the moment, we have DocuSign to send out contracts or enterprise um, uh, clients mm -hmm. because they like to sign yeah, I agree. Uh, an actual agreement. And then we've, or I've just implemented Chargebee, which is a SaaS subscription oh, yeah. solution where you just, you know, you send out 
a subscription um, link. Yeah. They, they they agree to the T's and C's, they enter their payment details, and it's done. Um, and it that's looks after recurring we, payments. Yeah. yeah, and it's recurring payments. You don't have to worry about, you know, receivables and, mm. and age debt and, and having managed. people access to your product without paying or anything like that. So that's where the revenue ops hat comes into it. Mm. Um, by And that's how you glue the kind of functions together. Mm. So that's how lean we're talking. It's really lean. So we're not, yeah. we're not, you know, when I came in, we had demos of all sorts, like project hey, management tools. I was yeah. like, we don't, you don't need a project management tool for your sales team. No. You, you know, you, you don't need um, all these other tools. That are, we had like four different screen share tools. And I was like, well, we're not doing screen share. Why do you need them? Um, because our market's very difficult to do screen shares because it's hospitals and clinics and sure, their yeah. Wi-Fi is not always the best yeah, yeah, yeah. in the UK. So we don't need it. Like you're just frustrating salespeople because they're trying to do a screen share of a tool and other people can't see it. And so, and they don't know what tool to use. Mm. Like we've got four and I'm like, this is crazy. So what would you, what would you, is there a, is there a point in the future, like next six months, you, there is a tool that you want to get in? Is it- uh, an analytics tool. So mm-hmm. um, f- for me, I do all my analytics in Google Sheets. Mm-hmm. Um, I've automated it as much as I can. I've linked it to Salesforce. Um, but I think we're at a stage where we need to um, be able to scale it. Right now, mm-hmm. Google yeah. Sheets is, is good as it, it is fine. It's good. It gives me all the data that I need um, with conversion rates and so on. But be able to scale it. Um, mm-hmm. It's gonna it's gonna take a lot of my time, and that and that'll be a Salesforce native package, or it will probably be something like a more like, like inter, it will integrate into Salesforce. Yes, potentially uh, like this morning. So okay. um, like a, like a cluster. Shout out to Rory. Yeah, Ep- <laughs> episode number three, I believe. <laughs> so um, yeah, I know Rory really well, and we mm. had a discussion today because he knows that my next thing would be analytics. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not going to go crazy with everything else, but um, yeah, 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 slowly. Cool. So favorite tool right now? Cloud Dingo. Tell us more. Um, so if I was going to set up my own business mm. or I was going to go into an organization when I was employee number two or three or whatever that is, um, every single business always down the line face data quality. Yeah. duplication Agreed. and the amount that organizations spend on money um time of employees uh trying to fix it um search the internet say for like five minutes find somebody or a lead puts in salesforce mm. thinks great um and then prospects out to them for instance well you may have already prospected out to them before mm, so yeah. you've just wasted five to ten minutes yeah. of, of a sales rep or an SDR or whoever's doing that. So, so that's that's one. That's one reason why it's my favorite tech tool. Um, yeah, is to, yeah. to sort out your duplication because you're going to save so much money. So, so just one. The second bit is actually you get to know your target market size. Yeah. Which is huge because, every, well, every, you know, let's say you know that your target market is say twenty thousand leads in in the UK, for instance. Mm. Your sales force shows that you've got eighteen thousand. Well, actually, out of the eighteen thousand, how many duplicates? Mm. Um, and how do you start splitting oh, up nice. your territories yeah. uh, and give your sales reps the the same amount of opportunity? And you can't mm. do that unless you get rid of your duplication yeah. issue. And for how do they work? Do they simply just show you how many duplicates you have, and you can delete them? Um, yeah, they merge. So mm. Cloud Dingo actually merges, yeah, and you can create tool. you can create a lot mm. of rules. It's a bit slow, but mm. um, you create really good rules around merging. So mm. if this person has um, you know, you can do it by name, email address, you know, all these different fields of Salesforce mm. saying this is the characteristics and I want you to merge it where this is the primary account and this is the criteria. Yeah. Yeah. Do they charge based on a, just a SaaS subscription or 
how many records you manage for the um tour? it's done by how many records um it's not like you know pound a record mm. but they kind of group you into a, okay. a, a set saying okay it looks mm. like you know done a scan of your sales force it looks like you've got twenty thousand leads or contacts mm. or accounts um it's x amount and and you can do however many mergers and you can automate it so and you create blockers so people that try and put it in i know salesforce has you know gg manager but it's not it doesn't prevent what yeah it doesn't prevent it so that's my favorite tech tool shout out to cloudingo maybe we should link them below the video josh i think we probably should (laughs) um okay it actually links very nicely onto the next question which is how you deal with data quality Mm. And how does your role cross over with the CRM slash platform owner? I assume that is you. Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah, it is me. Yeah. So, um, how do you deal with it? Mm. Invest in Cardingo. It is not (laughs) expensive, honestly. It's, you know, it's it's gonna save you thousands and thousands of pounds as well as time, frustration Mm. your sales team. It's it's interesting you were talking about prospecting out to um, the same lead, the same account previously mm-hmm. so it actually brings us on to what Ebster does yeah we should actually say so we, we, we never really have talked about it yeah. but this is really pertinent because if you use a tool like Cloudingo to, to do de-duping if you were to use a tool like our, our tool inside Salesforce you're able to surface all that communication from all those users across all time so so you can actually get a detailed understanding of, of okay I know that someone has actually spoken to this lead before yeah and uh, we can surface that information instantly, regardless of whether they ever logged in Salesforce. Mm. So it's yeah. a so, and we work really well with tools like Cloudingo, and we try and try and aim at businesses who have data quality issues, which is almost every single business out there. Yeah. So yeah, it's quite pertinent. Mm. I think every business I've been in has data quality issues. Yeah. And that's come down to the fact yeah. they haven't thought about it early on. They, they, you know, you feel like you can manage it um, because you put some rules in place, or, or you know, you have one person that imports data, but it, it it's uh, it gets tricky. It, it gets really difficult yeah, and it impacts not it impacts so much on your sales team, the frustration that they get, mm. the time that they spend. But also, when you start doing your go-to-market strategy, you're going to rely on everything in CRM. And if your mm. CRM is showing so many duplications, mm. you don't you don't know how much of your market you have right now in terms of how much do I have in CRM, how much am I missing, mm. um, how do I get it? Um, and then you can start splitting up. So it's got yeah. a big impact, and that's how I would deal with it. Um, many with- businesses struggle with the with the data cleanliness at the top of the funnel. Yeah. And they, they sometimes have sales teams who, who just want to call people, but they, they spend so much time prospecting on that prospecting stage, trying to find someone who isn't already in the system mm. that they can actually be really inefficient. Yeah. So it's that, it's that it's getting the right target audience in front of your salespeople in a timely manner with enough information for them to be able to do their job. Yeah. And it's not a, it's not an easy thing. It's, it's, it's not it's, easy. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's not so easy. easy. Um, I start early get it in place honestly the amount that you would spend on your crm system just add on you know whatever it is 10 percent or five percent invest in into that tool or a tool that does something very similar um uh, and then you'll be you'll be honestly you'll be perfectly fine Mm -hmm. in the future so would you say the biggest challenge in your role and and let's broaden this out to run your operations work i'm quite interested in that is data quality or do you think there's other challenges that you you have um you're going to say salespeople aren't you (laughs) <laughs> they're, they're the biggest challenge. <laughs> I think, um, no, I think the biggest challenge just generally is uh, change, right? And I think um, I had this question asked by me, uh, to me, by somebody to say, um, 
why should we not have you in our business? And I said, well, if you don't want change, don't hire me. Um, and the reason, or not just me generally, but mm. I, I think um, experienced people um, will always do that. They'll always come in mm. and they'll understand things that are working really well, great, things mm. that are not working well and things that you're missing out on. And those two elements is where they're going to adapt change. Mm -hmm. And so I think the biggest challenge is getting people on board of understand, getting them understand why you're making the change. And I think that comes back to, you know, showing the value, right? Getting them to say, actually, I'm going to implement DocuSign because right now the steps are printing a contract, send, taking it to the office or whatever it yeah. is, it's coming back, scanning it or losing it, um, uploading it, making it digital, closed one. Mm -hmm. And great, right? But right now, when I just tell you to click a button, they sign, it comes back, and it's closed one. Mm. Um, so it's 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 showing the value of what you're trying to do, and it can be processes, it can be around sales stages, yeah. it, it can be everywhere, forecasting your pipeline, and I mean, so I think that the challenge is really um, change um, and um, and getting everybody on board with it is mm. is probably the biggest challenge, but. Um, I think how you overcome it is, is showing the value. But when it comes to all the different functions and um, the revenue upside, it's really, um, you know, we need this kind of information in CRM because the onboarding team need it. Well, okay, well, why do you need it? Why do mm -hmm. I need to add in more fields or more information? Mm -hmm. And it's, well, the reason why is because every deal that you, well, not every deal, but, you know, 20% of the deals you sign are actually getting onboarded and churning in two months. And the reasons why is because we don't understand right, the conversation yeah, yeah, you've yeah. had. or mm. So it's... It, it's well, the product uh, is being, you know, incorrectly sold or things have been promised through the sales yeah, process. Yeah, I think, I think sales is, yeah, of course, difficult. But I think for a business, the, the, the key fundamental is how do you keep them on your platform mm. or using your product mm. uh, for a very long time? Yeah, I mean we're 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 in, we're SaaS we're SaaS businesses, aren't we? We need those we need the recurring revenue. Yeah, we need those customers coming back for more. Yeah, I mean that's the same for every business, isn't it? It, it is. You right. need to build a loyal customer base. It's not a one-time thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the, and I think the challenge around that is where you try and put processes in place that impact other functions, right? So, and I think this is where I think sales ops is. You're not always just focused on sales ops when you're doing mm -hmm. something within your sales team only. Think about deploy the two other key departments, marketing and account management customer success mm. and how they're impacted or how you how you maybe add, you know, one or two extra things that actually the other two functions can actually um, actually use and leverage. Mm. Um, so I think it's just, uh, I think it's those two things, change and, and getting everybody on the same page mm. when it comes to doing departments together. Um, single <laughs> biggest on a single metric that you can judge all salespeople by. Percentage against their target. The okay. reason why mm -hmm. I, had a, I had to think about this. Mm. The reason why is um, if somebody is, let's say, ten percent of your sales team are hitting fifty percent of their number, and you have you know ninety percent of the people hitting eighty-five percent of the number, then you've got to analyze every single area within those within the ten percent. Mm. And it's probably going to do around sales enablement, understand the conversion rates, mm. where is it dropping off, where is it going wrong, or have you allocated the wrong territory to them, um, are they getting enough leads from the SDR team, or right, however yeah. that is. I think that's a key um, a key indicator of uh, for you to then start digging and understanding where it's going wrong. Um, uh, okay, nice. So um, that's how I judge mm -hmm. all salespeople, but then it comes back to you. Um, so to really look into yeah. it and, and help them and um, uh, to improve mm -hmm. that metric. Do you and you'd always talk directly to the sales director to say there is a problem area here. 
you know, this is how we can address it, or do you just go straight to the sales users? Um, on that metric, um, I'd highlight it to the to the actual sales manager or VP of sales, mm-hmm. but I think um, you kind of need to come up with a plan together and say, hey, like, you know, why don't I've analysed that the sales enablement piece is not great mm. because the the first pitch is going quite wrong because mm. the drop off is quite long and me as a sales ops person I can't tell them what around the pitching so why don't you focus on that and I'm going to help them track it analyse it and and then keep them on top of you know what's happening and how they're improving and it um, must be great to get to get those people and pull them up to the same level as everyone else with through your you know. A crunching in the numbers and B actually going and turning them around. Yeah, I think really I, I, I think um, that or that is you know if if it happens you know four or five months running then obviously there's something a little bit more mm. fundamentally wrong with it. But um, showing them improvement of if you do these three things you know the next two weeks I guarantee your conversion rate is going to go X. Mm. You know let's do it step by step and it's it's gradual. We can't just say do all these ten things differently in the next two weeks. Mm-hmm it's just not going to work like you know even if somebody told me to do 10 things differently yeah. in two weeks like I'd be like it's too many. it just wouldn't work um, and I'll just get frustrated mm-hmm. um, okay cool so the final question we ask everyone on the show is who have you learned sales operations from and who's been a big inspiration for you um, I would say every VP of sales and CROs that I've worked with really yeah um Two specifically, well, mm. one obviously the business exec at IBM, oh yeah, um, who you know kind of gave me the opportunity to say come out and do it and mm. be one of the youngest people to do it in IBM, which is great. But do you um, name that person? Well, I don't know, Sanjay Saxena. I don't know <laughs> if you'll be listening, but you um, can always tag him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, which which is you know it was it was a brilliant opportunity, and if I hadn't got that, I'd have no, I have no idea where I would have ended mm. up. To be fair, mm. um, the other two being Tom Glasson. And Pete Crosby, um, but uh, you know it's it it really, and they're very different people looking mm. at different things. But that's where I've learned sales ops from. Like it's understanding the people that you support, what their thinking is, what their vision is, mm. what they have, what they like looking at, what they haven't looked at, and you learn from that. Yeah, that's great. Nice, that's great. I don't think that's how you okay. be successful. Yeah. Thank you. No, thank that, you. That was a masterclass. Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you very much. Henry, do you have anything else to add? No, nothing from me. I just hope that was interesting for yeah. everyone listening. It was um, super interesting for me. Yeah. So, um, yeah. if you want to reach out to Jay, can we give you an email address? Yeah. Is sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Give it just Jay at uk. Yes. Cool. Jay at Um If you want to learn anything else, from Jay or learn about what Doctify does we actually should do a little shout out for them as well yeah. um, <laughs> also Evster Henry at Evster.com if you want to learn anything about Evster but Doctify let's finish off uh, the trust pilot for the healthcare industry trust pilot for the healthcare industry fantastic let's leave it at that <laughs> thank you everybody for watching slash listening and you'll see us again or hear us again next week thanks guys thanks Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sales of Demystified podcast. If you are listening on a podcast listening application, then please subscribe, rate, and review. And if you have any questions about the show, if you know a guest, or if you have any questions about sales operations, just hit me up at tomhunt at ebster.com. That's tomhunt at ebster.com.